Welcome to Courage in Our Time. Mark Nepo said that the origin of the word courage is core, to stay close to one's core. This series of podcasts is intended to support you in your discovery of your core, your courage. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for subscribing. This morning was a rough morning. The softness wasn't present in our house. There were hard edges and turbulence. I retreated to my mat, my cushion, and my gratitude meditation. The conflict in my mind was loud and disruptive, but I persevered in seeing all the ways in which I am so very grateful. I am here. I am where my soul intended me to be. And so I said to myself, stop fighting. Stop trying to make it different. Just be here now and see the moment. Feel it. Trust it. And also know that I am more than this one moment. The softness will return. I feel lately as though I've been stopped dead. Stopped right in my tracks by what I've heard in forest bathing circles to be a river of grief. It is said to happen to most people when they connect deeply to the natural world, and I would argue to themselves. Joanna Macy talks about it as a despair and empowerment that comes from being truly in relationship with the more-than-human world. Yogis would talk about it in the context of knowing oneself. I talk about it with Grover and the monster at the end of the story. For me, the river moves powerfully. It blasts over rocks and boulders, changing their shape over time, molding the extraneous off the rock so that it can emerge as the shape it was meant to be. The river is not for the faint of heart, but for those courageous enough to immerse and trust in the process. My being at the river bank has been a long time coming. I have felt a Greek widow wailing from the center of my back throughout this pandemic. A bundle of fascia so tight that I actually want to double over. I want to open my mouth wide and literally wail. To be honest, I've skirted around the widow for years, hoping she'd just cry into her pillow and not affect the others. Don't break down. They'll worry about you. Well, here I am. And the only way around this is through it. It's time to give this beautiful grief, space, and love. It's time to wash it in the river. For me, this is the process of becoming. I want to share with you a story that I think is relevant to this. I found it when I was looking at an article, my first published article in Yoga International. It was called The Dharma of Bringing Love into the World. So what really excited me is that one of the related articles, you know how they they say, oh, you might be interested in this as well. Well, one of those that they recommended was by someone that I really admire, a philosopher named Eknathus Warren. He started out this essay with the story of a sculptor. Here it goes. In ancient India lived a sculptor renowned for his life-sized statues of elephants. 
with trunks curled high, tusks thrust forward, thick legs trampling the earth, these carved beasts seemed to trumpet to the sky. One day a king came to see these magnificent works and to commission statuary for his palace. Struck with wonder, he asked the sculptor, what is the secret of your artistry? The sculptor quietly took his measure of the monarch and replied, Great king, when, with the aid of many men, I quarry a gigantic piece of granite from the banks of the river, I have it set here in my courtyard. For a long time I do nothing but observe this block of stone and study it from every angle. I focus all my concentration on this task and won't allow anything or anybody to disturb me. At first I see nothing but a huge and shapeless rock sitting there, meaningless, indifferent to my purposes, and utterly out of place. It seems faintly resentful at having been dragged from its place on the river by the rushing waters. Then, slowly, very slowly, I begin to notice something in the substance of the rock. I feel a presentiment, an outline scarcely discernible, shows itself to me, though others I suspect would perceive nothing. I watch with an open eye and a joyous, eager heart. The outline grows stronger. Oh, yes, I can see it. An elephant is stirring in there. Only then do I start to work. For days, flowing into weeks, I use my chisel and mallet, always clinging to my sense of that outline, which grows ever stronger. How the big fellow strains, how he yearns to be out, how he wants to live. It seems so clear now, for I know the one thing I must do. With an utter singleness of purpose, I must chip away every last bit of stone that is not elephant. What then remains will be, must be, elephant. For a long time, I have prided myself on how I serve others, how I tend their needs, so that there is calm water around me. It's my way of making order out of chaos. I make sure everyone else is okay. No tempers will flare. No moods will be disruptive. And then I can tend myself. But I bet you just had the same thought of me, which is, well, there's never going to be time to tend myself. I remember when my family was breaking apart. We were going through a really difficult time. My grandmother said to me, you're a rock. And I think I took it literally because I became a rock. I hardened. I closed off to myself and to those closest to me. I know if you know me that that might surprise you because I present as soft, compassionate, which I am, but not to myself. So I don't want to say it's a role, because I don't think it is a role, but there is an aspect of this that is professionalism. I tell you to be kind to you, to give yourself space and love, but I don't really find it easy to do that for myself. I offer myself far fewer quiet times than I offer you. I can handle it, and so handle it I do until I can't, or until I just don't want to anymore, or 
a knot manifests in my back that demands that I stop. The elephant wants to emerge. I want to emerge. The teacher teaches what she must learn. I built my yoga studio, Ahimsa, to be a community hub. In closing it after 22 years, there's been an internal reckoning. So the closing presented an out for me in terms of stress, but it also created a vacuum, an echo chamber. It was me, myself, and I. I had quiet time with me. I had time to study the rock and, of course, the shape, the self within. In the past number of years, the world's chaos has been rising steadily until when the pandemic hit. Wow, was it ever deafening. I think in many ways that level of chaos brought me to my knees. The signs that I could see from the earth or that people talked about, about why this happened. And it was just so clear that it was humans' misbehavior that created all this disharmony that eventually led to a pandemic. And I guess all that brought me to my knees, beside the river of grief. This was my reckoning. Fortunately for me, I have become stronger over the years. Not stronger like a rock, but stronger like water, as Bruce Lee would say. Now in my 50s, I am far more capable of saying no. I'm far more prepared to not explain myself and my actions and to not apologize for taking up space. So maybe what's happened is that I've become strong enough and confident enough to chisel away the rock. And for me, the chisel is really the river. The flow of water is strong enough to carve what isn't me away. Like, like the, the diamond that gets chiseled by that water. So here I stand at the riverbank, knowing that I'm a stronger swimmer, but also knowing that this river is deep and wide, I don't really know what I'm getting into. But I do know that it's the journey that I must make. I am here. I am where my soul intended me to be. Every year, the earth hits the same cluster of cosmic junk on August 11th. And as a result, we get an amazing display of shooting stars for at least one week. Some people even mark their calendars to make sure that they're in a dark sky area so that they can see the Perseid even better and bathe in it. What do you think? Do you think that the impact of the earth on this cluster is actually chiseling some of the rock away from the earth? Is that moment actually clarifying for her? Is this her yearly pilgrimage to the river of grief and the shooting stars are her tears? I figure if she can hit the same cluster every year, why can't I? When I hear those familiar voices of who do you think you are, I wonder if someone else might gasp in wonder at a shooting star. This is the layered process of uncovering the truth of self. We are magnificent, stunning, powerful, and here for all the right reasons. 
mallet, and chisel. We are becoming. And is that not what life is? Instead of thinking, why am I back here again? Why am I feeling this? What if we were to say, here I am, a new layer, mallet and chisel I become. I am exactly where my soul intended me to be. Here I am. As I do the recording of this podcast, it has been one week since the discovery of 215 young children's bodies in a pit at the site of a former residential school in Kamloops. When I heard the news, I was doing dishes, my back to the radio, and I remember just slumping into the dishwater. The wave of grief was so huge. We all knew that this day was coming. Maybe we even hoped for it. For the families that never knew what happened to their loved ones. Now they know. These children were killed through neglect, malnourishment, and abuse. They were taken from their families without permission under the guise that they would be safe and schooled in all the, in quotation marks, right ways, under the structure of organized religion and good governance. The reality is they were abused so deeply as to create generations of suffering. The mandate was to take the Indian out of the child. Yeah, I really said that. These settlers were so opposed to anything different from them that they set out to commit genocide. So now if anyone doubted the horror of those residential schools, I'm pretty sure that doubt's been vanquished. It's undeniable. I wonder if mixed within the grief is some semblance of relief that we, being Canadian settler folks, can no longer turn away. The corpses of children cannot be shelved or unseen. You cannot unring this bell. The grief is so vast in this because it is so deeply undigestible. It is so deeply unfathomable that anyone could take a child's life like this. That anyone could dump their bodies into a pit. My hope is that this is rock bottom for the way in which Canada has neglected, abused, and oppressed the Indigenous people of this country. Betrayed, broken, every single promise made. We are at a river of grief and sorrow, and it is deep, and it is wide. We are going to be chiseled big time. I remember when my friend Jamie died, I was around 25 and he was 27. He was hit by a truck. He was a really beautiful man. The grief that we all felt in losing him, because you don't expect to lose people in your 20s, it frankly seemed bottomless. My friends and I gathered to grieve over many, many days. When I came home, I was unable to be alone for extended periods of time. This was new ground for me. I found that it was around the one hour mark that I would start to feel as though I was going to drown. 
I got into the habit of making sure someone knew that I was going to be alone, that I was going into the river, and that I would need to be called or visited. Please tell me someone sees me wading in. I need a life boy. I need the potential of someone to pull me out. The story of the 215 beautiful, innocent, indigenous children, some as young as three years old, is drowning us. It is too big. And there will be more, much more. My only hope is that the mallet and chisel will carve away the illusions, the lies that we have carried. I can only hope that the wail of this many people will act like a tsunami wave that tears down our societal imbalances and inequities and injustices. We must face our past and our present to move to a better, more sustainable and equitable future. We are here. We are at this juncture where our souls intended us to be. And so stop denying. Stop trying to make it different. Just be here now and see the moment. Feel it. You know, I used to think that if I was a good girl and I worked extra hard, bad things wouldn't happen. Everything could just be squeaky clean and polished white. Not only is that unrealistic and unappealing, how boring, how monochromatic. If you look at a forest, every aspect of that forest is in a different phase of life and no two branches are the same. No two blades of grass are the same. There's a kind of a chaos there, an uncontrollable, majestic and complex system that can set us humans into insecurity. We grab our chainsaws and our pavers and we try to take the nature out of the forest or the forest out of the nature you choose. You know, there's a forest down the road from me and so it's right downtown in town. It's got 15 acres of woodland and wetland and at some point soon it's going to be decimated and replaced by a commercial development. That forest... I don't know what it is about that forest, but it's got me. It's wrapped itself around my heart, and I don't want to see it go down. There have been environmental assessments, and there are all these setbacks that the developer has to honor for things like blanding turtles that live there. But the thing is, I don't want a single tree gone. I'm so tired of what we humans have been up to, and I'm in such a deep place of grief for all that live in that particular forest, which is now going to be turned into pavement and buildings and boring human crap. Nothing diverse, exciting, nothing that will foster life. It'll only suffocate this swamp and the turtles and the peepers piling up the bodies in the pit. Please, humans, Let's be in the complexity of life. Can we see the strength of the ecosystem of life? When will we learn? I fear that we're going to go around the sun one more time and hit that cluster, and that cluster is going to be the devastation of our planet. 
I know it's only one forest among many in our area, but it matters. The trees matter. The children matter. Life matters. So in our grief, in our wailing tears, while we watch the shooting stars, might we say, wow, we live on an amazing planet that deserves our respect. And we two-leggeds, we need to be in this together, no matter our race, our culture, or identity. We don't have time to turn away from each other anymore. It's time to listen. It's time with humility to step into the river and help each other swim across. Because I know some people are really flailing in the middle of that river. Their grief is so deep. I wonder if we might stretch our hands out and say, can I just hold you? You can lean into me and stop treading water for a moment. I have steady arms. I don't want to fix it. I don't want to yank you to shore because we all need to be in the grief. But I'll hold you with steady arms. Please let them grieve. Please let us grieve. Please grieve. We are here. We are at the juncture where our souls intended us to be. And so stop denying. Stop trying to make it different. Just be here now and see the moment. Feel it. We are born the elephant. And then life layers the rock over us until we forget our true nature. The rock accumulates as a teacher tells you that you are less than you are or that you can't speak your own language or that your culture is wrong or dirty. Maybe someone told you that you were too fat or too stupid or who do you think you are? These opportunities emerge of hurt and anguish but also joy and love to remind us that we are in there. We look at the rock just like that sculptor and our image starts to appear through the years as we age. This remembering and the chisel and the mallet come out and you know you were born to magnificence. Can you see the shooting stars? Can you see that you are becoming? Your magnificence is shining through. I swear I can see it. So here we are, all of us. Every one of us has big grieving to do. And that is going to take a tremendous amount of courage. We're going to have to face it, witness it, listen, breathe, cry. And we are going to wail. My ask of all of us, no matter what our background, is that we sit in the silence and bear witness. See, feel, wail, stop talking.
I am here. I am where my soul intended me to be. And so stop fighting, stop trying to make it different. Just be here now and see the moment and feel it. This is a reckoning. This is a complete shift. We are on the trajectory for a completely different way of living. And although that is scary, it's also exciting. Because maybe that new way of living will be sustainable and equitable. Because this one sure isn't. I am tired of watching two-legged step on other two-legged and four-legged and trees and earth without any care. It is time to change. Swim with me. If we do this together, we will be stronger. If we do this together, I know that we will succeed. I promise to see you. If your arms get tired, I'll hold you. Could you do the same for me?